you can never be overeducated in real estate because there's um, there's no degree to get. You know, um, you can always be learning stuff, but you also don't have to be paying for education either. Yeah, uh, and you know, there's people a lot smarter and a lot and obviously a lot more successful than I am uh, that could have made a lot uh, bigger moves or riskier moves or, or, or things like that. But I'm definitely on the get rich slow. You're listening to the Grounded Investor Show, where we talk about all things real estate investing in Idaho, hearing from men and women on the ground who are doing the work. And welcome to the Grounded Investor Show with your host. Hey, Michael. And Corey. <laughs> How you doing today, Corey? Good to see you today. Good to see I'm you. doing great. Welcome to be back in the uh, the show, huh? I know we've been slacking, but I'm happy to be back. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah, so it's, it's nice to finally get back at this uh, early morning. Um, but who do we have on the show today? Uh, so we have Adam Fleck, who's a local investor here. And uh, I think you really like him today because he's probably like most of uh, our listeners out there who are working a, a job and, and slowly working towards building his real estate portfolio. And um, he likes to say getting rich slowly. So Love that. he's a great, great local guy. Yeah. And he has some really good nuggets. Uh, one of the things I, I harp on at the end of the show, and man, I love him bringing this up, is how being the jack of all trades master of none is still better than being a master of one i've never heard of that i guess that's the whole quote and i was mind blown i was like what what does that even mean like how can one people take a part of that but not the whole thing so um you know i think it was really love to hear from him and what he does with a duplex uh on a one acre property and how he utilize you or utilize it on multiple fronts um but let's jump right in awesome well welcome to the show adam Oh, thanks for having me. Good to see you again, Adam. Yep, good to see you, Corey. Virtually, at least. And hear you. Yeah, and hear you. Well, yeah, thanks so for coming pretty, on. I'm pretty excited. This was a referral, this show, or um, Adam was somebody that, you know, reached out, not reached out, sorry, Corey reached out to, right? Is that is that correct? Yeah. Yep. Of a semi-relationship. Through big, bigger pockets. I mean, you know, it's a it's a great resource. It's a great community online. But, um, and I and I found a lot of my connections in the Treasure Valley through bigger pockets too. So not just the meetup that Corey and I met at, um, but other people that were just connected with me. That you know, it's like, oh hey, you're in Idaho. I'm looking at Idaho. The people yep. reached out to me. Yeah, I mean, man, bigger pockets is great. I get so many people. I would say on a weekly basis, just constantly. I mean, you know, just making calls, connections. It's, it's great. I think one of the resources. Hopefully we can be there one day. <laughs> awesome. Well, Adam, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about family life. Where are you from? Okay. Yeah. So uh, you could call it the background and then we'll get to the foreground, you know, like, yeah. you <laughs> keep using that. we might have to steal that. I know. Surprised we haven't thought about that Foreground. Ground. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and, uh, okay. So, so I, uh, I am not an Idaho native, uh, sad to say, um, I know you guys can see it. It's an audio podcast, but I've got my, my, my favorite Oregon map up behind me. 
I was born and raised in Oregon and uh, uh, moved out here to Idaho and was kind of sad about losing my native card because, you know, Oregonians, I always, I always say we're the first California haters. Um, we're just the first stop <laughs> off the coast and they just went to us first. Uh, but uh, grew up there and, uh, you know, a lot of my family's still out there, uh, Eastern Oregon and, and then uh, in the Valley as well. Uh, and right out of high school, um, you know, the, the family didn't really come, uh, come from a lot of money. We were kind of just, you know, lower middle class, kind of basic. We, we did have a white picket fence growing up too. I had to paint it every summer. Um, so you can imagine that. Year? Yeah. Yeah. It was wood. I mean, it was anyway, and a lot of rain you can imagine. So yeah, yeah. a lot of paint too, but, uh, you know, right out of, uh, high school, you know, is kind of exploring all this stuff and, you know, what I want to be doing. And, you know, one thing my dad told me, he said, one of, he said, one of my biggest regrets that I have is not making my money work for me. Mm. And so we started going to all these seminars, we, all these real estate seminars and things like that. Uh, and you know, the free ones, you know, um, you know, we went to you know asset protection seminars, you know, basically whatever you, you you can take the sales pitch, but you can at least always grab some nuggets out of it. Yeah. And started going to the local RIA meetings and, and doing research. But again, I was 19, didn't have much money, did get some good advice, started a credit card early. Um, and so I have credit cards that I've had for years and years and years that helps my credit score. Uh, but they're also always super low and, you know, wasn't making a lot of money. Uh, but I was fortunate enough to be basically debt-free when the crash happened. And I hadn't had a chance to accumulate debt yet. But uh, so in 2011, 12, when the market was really hitting the bottom in the Willamette Valley, uh, I was able to scoop up a, uh, what you would call now is a house. I wouldn't call it that back then, but in 2011, and bought this two bedroom, one bath shack. Um, and for dirt cheap and lived in it for eight years, had really low payments. Um, and so I got lucky there. And, and I, and I always tell people, you know, when they say, you know, Oh my God, how'd you get that? And how'd you, you know, you made so much money and, you know, numbers wise, it's, it, it was, it was a good deal at the time because it was just whatever I could get into. Yeah. And knowing that if I held on to it ad nauseum and I could afford it, you know, I didn't, I never was able, I never had to lose it or anything, but you know, there was a lot of top ramen and tuna fish type of months. Sure. Um, and, but I, but I still say that I got lucky. Luck is a combination of preparation and timing. Yeah. And I did have the preparation and, you know, going through my first home buying process of 23 years old, you know, saying, you know, you know, are you sure you can afford this? And it's like, well, I don't have any other debt. And it's like, well, how much, you know, how much are you only making? You're only working part-time. And it's like, well, the house is only $60,000. <laughs> so um, we'll put it, we'll put it this way. If you, if people out there are familiar with the, the numbers, how an assessor um, does it. So you look up the uh, county assessor and they'll get, you'll get some data on the property and how it's taxed. Uh, the house was assessed at $124,000. Uh, the value of the land was $116,000. Mm. 
So out of that 124, the land was 116,000 of it. The rest was the value of the buildings on the on the property. That's how crappy this house was. <laughs> um, and so over the next eight years, I fixed it up. Part of my money, part of it, I got lucky with insurance. Again, getting lucky. Um, and long story short, I was able to turn that one house through a refi and then subsequently a the sale of the house into five units out here in Idaho. Um, and, you know, that's, uh, that's not just the Portland market um, that, like I said, I bought it dirt cheap, lived in it through top ramen and tuna fish times, and then you know, was able to sell it at a, at a decent price to the right people uh, for $254,000. So, um, you know, that's a good return. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, you're talking about like, a, you know, you're looking at 190 gross, call it 150 uh, new, but you know, if, if you've owned a house out here for eight years, you're more than that. You know, any single family house out here, you bought it at 150 grand and now it's worth 300. You're doing the yeah. same numbers. So it's not, um, and hopefully you have to do as much work. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it's all about preparation and timing. You know, that's all luck is. And so I, I always try to uh, tell people, you know, <laughs> it's better to be lucky than good sometimes. Hmm. But it got me where I'm at, and I had done a lot of research. I had done a lot of listen to podcasts. You know, I've been a member of Bigger Pockets for ten years now, um, and you know, before they were even doing the podcast, um, and I, uh, you know, before Brandon Turner, before any of those guys, you know, and it was just a forum, and it's like I was talking to people, and I can't stress you, you can never be overeducated in real estate because there's um, there's no degree to get, you know. Um, you can always be learning stuff, but you also don't have to be paying for education either. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, there's people a lot smarter and a lot, and a, obviously a lot more successful than I am uh, that could have made a lot uh, bigger moves or riskier moves or, or, or things like that. But I'm definitely on the get rich slow mentality. Uh, and we'll kind of go into some of my business model perspective here in a bit, but so as far as foreground goes, um, you know, that's what got me to where I'm at. I like where I'm at. Uh, I'm not as far as I want to be. I want to be further. Sure, yeah. But I'm not complaining for sure. Um, so, uh, any family, uh, wife, kids, anything like that? Uh, just, just my girlfriend. Uh, so not wife yet, but you know, just my girlfriend. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> She, she's in the, she's in the living room so you know he's not listening right <laughs> she, won't listen. she won't hear this when it comes out i swear yeah <laughs> <laughs> so uh but yeah so but we don't have kids you know we don't have pets we don't don't have a lot of other obligations yeah uh i do still have a, a full-time job uh that pays decent uh, it's, not, it's not like I'm a lawyer and making 300 grand a year to make all these investments. You know, I'm, I'm making like 50 grand a year. Um, I'm not, <laughs> and I'm, I'm not shy about sharing that with people again, because it's, you can do this stuff, you know, and you know, people are like, Oh, I, you know, I, yeah, I, I, you know, I was able to buy five properties last year. It's like, yeah. Cause you make 300 grand a year and you live at home with your folks. Like, you know, um, it's like, duh. Um, you know, all, all this stuff is so simple. If you have more money, how do you do it? less money um you know one of the biggest uh, hurdles that i always had was not having access to other people's money 
you know, yeah, you can go door knock on people, but it's like, you have to start those relationships first. And, and part of that is getting out in the community, meeting people in person, which is, you know, you know, illegal in Oregon now, but whatever. Um, you know, you gotta move, move out to, had to move east to get more Western, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, so now, now today is, you know, kind of the grind I can actually I'm starting to see the upward trend of the hockey stick I mean for eight years and I was living in that shack you know it was a lot of just grinding and seeing what I could do I had a lot of false starts you know failed refis uh you know failed deals because I couldn't find money um you know I could find a deal but I couldn't find the money I could find the money but I couldn't find it you know didn't have the right deal for a guy then he went off and did some other stuff and you know um and so it it was really, really disheartening at times, but it was like, I know that that's, this is kind of what I wanted to be doing because I wanted to separate, you know, again, take that uh, question that my dad had, you know, make your money work for you. I want to separate my earning potential from my physical presence. You know, uh, you know, Shannon Robin, probably doesn't have to actually work. He, he's not that type of person to not work, but, you know, he doesn't have to necessarily be showing up at an office every, every morning you know, at 8am, wearing a suit and tie. He's, he's got, he's making decisions. He's, he's got people to do it, do the grunt work for him, the legwork, you know, he's got the experience, he's got the knowledge and he can kind of farm out all the other stuff. And, uh, you know, so he's still working, but, and and that guy's a hustler too. I mean, he, he's always making deals. He's always meeting people and always doing stuff. Uh, I just referred someone to him today too. I'm sorry, say that again. I just referred someone to him today. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, he's, he's, a he's, I'm always dropping his name. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. Uh, so I always, I always tell people that, you know, um, that the real estate is a great way to do, to, to do just that is that financial dependence, separate yourself. Um, you know, but anyway, uh, yeah, foreground. Well, yeah, well, you had a ton of great nuggets in there, um, I, especially the prep work. Um, I like talking to people like you because you put in all the work in the front end to make sure that you are successful. So, yeah. like, even going back to going to all the free seminars, learning the education, and uh, you know, seeing where you are today with putting in all that the work in the W two, starting small, and I'm sure you had some doubters when you were buying that first little property. And 2000, 2009, 10, when you're saying, I'm going to go into real estate. Yeah, yeah. that's what people are telling you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I'm I, sure you overcame some doubters. Well, it was, the the deal I got was kind of idiot proof. Because A, again, $60,000. Mm-hmm. Owner occupied, first time home buyer. It was three miles from my parents' house. So worst case, I just rent it out and I moved back in the basement. Yeah, you know, like there's, you know, and the house was so, so crappy that if I try to try to do a renovation and mess up, it's still better than it was. Like, yeah, you know, at least I don't have the, a window in the middle of a wall. Um, not not like in the middle of a wall, like you see a window, but like mm-hmm. in between two walls where they had <laughs> one, and there was still a window in there. And nice. <laughs> like, and it was it wasn't for style. No, God, I can go off on that house. I have stories. I tell you, um, so 
Yeah, don't, well, <laughs> don't go off well, on too many tangents. Well, so you said you had the one house, you sold it, it turned into five properties for you. So mm -hmm. what is kind of your investment vehicle today? What is your kind of bread and butter? What what do you what are your five units and then what are you you working on in your investment? So as far as uh, business structure, um, you know, it's long-term holds, small multifamily, uh, trying to get, kind of get what I can get because so far these are all self-funded. So it's like, no, I'm not going out and buying a 24 unit apartment complex or a 300 unit apartment complex. I, mm -hmm. I don't have access to that. Now, uh, so what I could afford happened to be at first was a triplex um, and, uh, where's so, that one located? Uh, that's in, that's here. An off on okay. road to the behind the depot. Okay. Uh, so it's in a great area and that was found on the MLS. I didn't set foot in it until I bought it. Uh, so that was out of state, you know, whole, uh, out of state real estate investing, David Green type of, type of a deal. Um, but did you 1031? No, because that was that was for refi money. Okay. Um, I mean, luckily with because I was using my private primary residence, even though when I sold it, I didn't get in capital gains. Oh yeah, yeah, so you're right. I had to why I deal with the ten thirty one if you don't have to. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, did use the refi, use that cash, bought the triplex, and uh, then sold the house, and then I bought this duplex that is currently my private residence. So again, okay. using using a first time or not a first time home buyer, but a, a three and a half percent FHA loan, the owner occupied. Yeah. You know, that's it's still a great vehicle, especially people that are trying to get that leverage and mm -hmm. not just leverage in a like a, a financial sense, but also from a uh, social sense. Um, your first deal is always your hardest deal. And because and until that point, you're just talking about it. You're just, oh, I'm, I want to, I want to invest in real estate. I want to, you know, I, I want to do this. I want to do this. Well, you know, once you do your, an actual deal, you've done it. And you can say, hey, cool, I've done a deal. You know, you're no longer, you know, uh, I want to say you're no longer a newbie, but you, that's like the biggest hurdle. Um, before that, you're well, the education. The education you get from one deal is immense. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. you learn best by doing, and you know, mm -hmm. there's so many idiosyncrasies and nuances to each individual deal, each individual uh, example that you can pull up, and and that's why you know, uh, having all these different real estate podcasts, you know, uh, whether it's Bigger Pockets or you guys or uh, Shannon's podcast or you know any of the other hundreds of real estate podcasts, you, you can pull bits and pieces and nuggets from each one of them and, and, mm -hmm. and to come up with a, uh, some Picasso picture in your mind that's like, oh, okay, I can actually do this, you know, this piece of it. And, mm -hmm. uh, and so as far as, you know, how that ties into my business model, it's like I said, get rich slow. It's just what I can get, I get what I can get. Yeah. Uh, now that I've got a couple deals under my belt, uh, I've I'm looking at the market. I'm here in Idaho now, uh, you know, and I've got uh, 
trying to carve out kind of my, my own niche now. Now I can kind of start focusing because I've done something. Um, and, you know, sometimes the an adequate deal made with the proper timing can be better than the best decision made too late, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, so now I'm kind of focusing on infill lot development, uh, dealing with the city. City wants, wants all the, de- uh, wants all the density they want, you know, they want some of these bigger lots carved up and the stuff they can put in and, you know, grandma's apple orchard becomes a couple duplexes and, you know, as much as, you know, I, I saw that happen in my neighborhood growing up. We had Christmas tree farms on both sides of the street, you know, where I grew up. And by the time I, you know, graduated and moved out, you know, there were, you know, 27 homes an acre, you know, um, you know, they're spaced, you know, four inches apart. So and, what do the systems look like now? Like now you're doing like say infill and, um, and, and can you explain what those, what does infill mean um, as well? But, so uh, infill, yeah, infill lot development is finding pieces of land that's uh, within the right zoning that is under density. Uh, so this duplex that uh, we purchased back in January, uh, it's two units, duplex, um, but it sits on a half acre and it's zoned R1C and R1C in Boise is eight units an acre. So if I have a half acre, I can have half of that density. That's four units. I can put four doors on this property. Well, um, the thing is, is that lot that, you know, there is a lot of uh, paperwork and things that go into splitting a lot and development and things like that, but it's still cheaper right now, especially <laughs> I had, uh, I was looking at comps uh, for duplexes in my area and comps in my area are like 525 for a duplex, stupid. I bought this place in January for three thirty. <laughs> like, you know, like it's 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 kind of nuts. And and I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop with the market. And you know, obviously we've got um, a lot of change happening in, in uh, you know it's above our pay grade as far as the the politics goes. But um, you know, what's how's that going to affect our market? Is that going to cause more flight from the coasts to to secondary markets like like bozeman like missoula like you know wyoming colorado or you know people want to move to steamboat or you know fruitland or you know those type of towns you know idaho falls riggin you know riggins i don't know like you buy buy land anywhere you can get it um yeah but uh the uh the the infill stuff is always interesting because it's overpriced for the the improvements okay so again a duplex at 330 the rents in the area it doesn't make sense uh and i was talking to you guys a little before when i was presenting on this deal uh to another uh meetup to another local meetup uh that if you look at the numbers of this place it doesn't make sense when you just look at the raw numbers and the number of bedrooms and the square footage and you know, and the price and things like that, the rent comps for the area doesn't make sense. Uh, and that's why it gets, lo- it gets overlooked by a lot of people. But what they don't oftentimes look at is what else can be done. And the, the, a lot of these infill developments, they, because they take so much time, because they, you know, to go through the city and deal with permitting and everything, they take more time. Uh, these big money investors, the mutual funds and the cash buyers, they don't want to, de- they don't want to touch it. 
So if you're willing to put in the grind and willing to sit on a piece of property for a year, year and a half, two, you know, two years to get that done and get the lot, the lot split and the permitting and the build and all that stuff, you know, you're still going to cash out, you know, once you, once all that stuff happens three years later, you know, your big payday is still a 33 to 50% return on your money because you're also counting. I mean, that's if you don't count inflation and everything. That's I'm, I was running numbers for if I, if all of a sudden poof, it was all done today, what those numbers would look like. And I was looking at a, a 33% cash on cash. Mm. And, uh, you know, if I rented them out, now all of a sudden I've got, you know, a nine and a half percent cap rate, sure. you know, because new builds are even cheaper than if you have the land already, new builds are cheaper than existing. Yeah. And so that's the thing is like, basically I bought this, this duplex at a loss, quote unquote, not because I'm living here. Um, you know, so my, my $4 a month, like negative cash flow is me paying $4 a month to live here you know, and good luck finding rent for 400 bucks a month. So, sure. um, but even if, if that was just the deal, well, I'm still li- doing pretty good. I'm not, you know, I'm not this 1% rule, 50% rule, whatever, all the, a lot of the bigger pockets rule of thumb stuff, yeah. but I got land for free. And, and when you're bringing land to a deal, land is, you know, a third of your, of your investment when you're trying to do a development, mm-hmm. I've got that for free. So there's an instant 33% profit, which in this case, the numbers, that's what it worked out to. Um, and so that's kind of why I'm, why I'm focusing on this, these infill, looking for these infill lot development stuff. Um, there's other stuff that, and things like that. I'm sorry. A little more potential with. Yes. It's, it's more potential in the long run, but it's not easy money. It's not, it's not get rich quick. It's get rich slow. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a while to, to get the return on that, but it's usually a pretty stronger return. Well, it's to be fair, to be fair, it's just as strong of a return as, you know, some of these flippers and some of the the wholesalers and some of these guys that are doing it, but it's like, uh, you know, I, I, because I still have a day job, because I still like to go do things because I still have hobbies. Um, other than this, like Grant Cardone, 10x your life and, you know, yeah, sure. blow yourself up kind of thing. Um, it's like, no, it's like, I like to sit down on Friday night and have a beer with my friends. Yeah. You know, um, you know, I like to go out and play music. I like to, you know, I have hobbies, you know, I spend time with my girlfriend. Um, and, and so I can do all that stuff at the same time as I'm going through all these motions because the city doesn't move fast. Yeah. And so, um, so, so it's, it's, it's a good business model for me personally, because it kind of matches my life speed yeah. uh, and it allows, it, 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 it allows kind of for some more margin for error too, because instead of, because I'm still living comfortably, I'm looking and if I mess something up with the city, they're just telling me to go do it again. Yeah. yeah. Um, you're not losing. It's like all of a sudden you lost out on a deal. Now I have lost out on deals, you know, to, to other buyers or to, you know, cash and things like that. Um, so I, I try to help out where I can and that's, you know, I help out some other local guys, uh, uh, 
Noah Evans, uh, I helped out a little bit. I helped out Casey Ames a little bit. You know, just it's like, hey, I'm gonna go in and be talking to the city anyway. Do you need you know, need me to check on something? It's like, you know, I can, you know, I read through the building code and the development code and some of the comprehensive plans and things like that. And it's like I can tell you, um, you know, in 30 minutes, what would take you a couple hours to to check on? Cool, I'll help you out. You know, because um, one of the things I love so much about Idaho is is it's it's kind of that uh, relationship based uh, business. You know, it's, it's all, you know, handshakes and eye contact or, you know, when we can still do that, but yeah, <laughs> do it. we still do it. I love, I'll have to pick your brain a little more too about that later. Uh, For sure. Working some new markets, not new markets, but uh, new focus points. And that's one of them is more of the more ground. Um, yeah. So, and just kind of working with the city and seeing how that all works. But anyway. Um, and well, and uh I guess part of ours, uh, yeah, when you, when you talk about, uh, well, we can go into the deal next if you, want to, if you want to do that. Time to get underground. All right, second so in the show where we, uh, where we like to get into the details of a deal that you have done, a unique one. Um, so please share if you have a unique deal in mind. Uh, what is it? How'd you find it? How'd you fund it? How long did it take to accomplish? And what, what was the result? So again, uh, yeah, it's a great transition because we can go right into this this half acre that I'm talking about. Uh, is so found the deal on the MLS. It sat on there for 45 days, um, and so it'd been overlooked by a lot of other people. And uh, it was listed for 350. We ended up closing at 330, uh, and the duplex is on the kind of the front half of the lot and where, because it's zoned R1C, you can put eight units on it. So that's what keyed me in on it. Again, that didn't feel a lot development. And it was actually my girlfriend's idea um, to, instead of putting a renter in to do Airbnb. And so not just so she could pinch us throw up in the other side and make it all cool. Um, but that also we make more money per month and then I get both garages. Uh, so personally, it, it worked out really well. But that uh, the Airbnb duplex model, I think, is uh, a the numbers work better, but also uh, b you can self manage it, and you, it's not as scalable as a lot of the these other systems that you hear people talk about. Uh, you know, with with wholesaling and blasting out you know mailers and door knocking and things like that, driving for dollars. Um, it's not as scalable as that because, you know, obviously it's us doing the maintenance. It's us doing the cleaning and the, and, you know, responding to text messages. There's a lot of text messages. Um, and, but it's been paying the mortgage on this place for the last six months by itself. And you're not going to get, you know, two grand plus, you know, for a two bedroom unit in Boise. Not yet. Um, (laughs) um, hopefully not um but uh so so that is part of the whole kind of creative mindset when going into some of this stuff and i'm I'm trying to train her to you know look for this stuff too and she's um she's on the accelerated path because she gets i guess i built a mentor i guess i don't know um but uh hello talk we won't won't go what i get from her but you know yeah (laughs) um 
but this deal is uh, the, like I said, bought it for 330. We financed it through the sale of my house in Oregon. Uh, you know, what was left after the refi basically was uh, you know, about $30,000. Um, but we used an FHA loan. So three and a half percent down owner occupied financing. You can do that with like, any, any property that you're moving into one to four units. Although I did hear, I guess they changed the rule a little bit, which was weird. I don't know. I didn't get to fact check it, but so maybe I'm spouting conspiracies, but, um, but, uh, but yeah, one to four units, you can get that owner occupied financing. It's, it's the house hack. It's the burr. It's the, you know, that type of thing. So if you wanted to like classify this, this deal, it's a, yeah, house hack, burr, lot split, land development, B and B. <laughs> a little bit of everything. Yeah, a little bit of everything. And uh, once the uh, once the back lot is developed, um, you know, I'm looking at about a 33% return. You know, there's still good money, but it's going to take years. And in the meantime, there's a lot of you know, I've got a lot of a lot of time to enjoy Idaho. You know, I'm going hunting this week. I know Corey and I, Corey, you and I talked about it a little bit. Um, you know, we're planning some backpacking trips for next summer, you know, and, and, you know, around, around, the, around the area, we're not like going to Europe. It's like, well, oh, why would you go to the Alps? We have the Rockies right here. It's like, we have the Southwoods. Mm -hmm. um, so don't pay for it. And so, yeah, so that would be the, that would be the deal. Do you guys have any other like specific questions you would want to go over with that? Well, I have a question. Would you, are you planning on uh, heading up the construction yourself or are you just going to hire that out? Are you going to split the lot and just sell the lot separately? What's your ideal situation in that? So I, ideally there is enough funding through using, you can use land as collateral for a construction loan. And uh, especially once you can get it permitted and approved through the city with plats and things like that. Um, once you get it approved, uh, you can actually then go to banks, traditional banks, uh, and say, you know, hey, I'm, I, I want to build, I already have the land, it's already titled under my name. And they can actually use that, that parcel as your down payment, basically, quote unquote, uh, for the construction loan, which is oftentimes 25, 30% of the build cost. Uh, and so, you know, bank likes it because if it doesn't get built, then they get to take the land for free uh, with whatever construction is done on it. Um, obviously, banks aren't in the business of construction, but you know they have resources. Uh, that being said, you know network with some good contractors, some good builders, uh, you know, or just get some of these some not kit homes, but they're like some development homes. Hayden actually has a d division called Simplicity Simplicity Homes that they do you know, small, they're not custom homes, but they're like, hey, we've got 12 different floor plans. You buy one from us, we'll build it for 80 bucks a square foot. You know, because they've already got the architecture approved. They've already got the guys to do it. They actually get to pull from Hayden's, uh, you know, contracts. So it's like, you only get a choice of like four different flooring. You don't get to go to Home Depot and pick whatever you want. Yeah, here's our options. Cause this is what we put in when we, when they built 300 track homes, this is what they put in there. Uh, yeah. 
and they get to pull uh, simplicity gets to pull from those from those contracts and so that's why they're so cheap um, but they're still well-built homes and when you're only putting you know two or two or three at a time you're, you're not getting that mirror effect that you get when you go to some of these you know suburbia mm-hmm. um, which i'm not a fan of but you know you know when you when you go to mcdonald's you get the same cheeseburger you know what i mean uh, and uh so so that's you know, the answer to your question that that would be the the construction side of it definitely yeah nice. yeah very nice and when you bought it were you i'm looking at it here just because i'm in front of my computer yeah and it almost makes me laugh that something like that sat around that long because i can't even imagine anything like this sitting on the market today well, again, look at your numbers. You know, the numbers don't make sense yeah. at 350. And so it's not going to pop up for when, when you're looking for something under $300,000, it's not going to pop up. If you're looking mm-hmm. for, you know, any duplex on the market, sure, it'll show up, but there might be other ones that are further out, different areas, you know, uh, you know, is, is it a weird green, you know, ours is this was, was um, until we painted it, this weird green color uh, that, uh, you know, didn't look that attractive. It's built in 74. So, you, you know, there are some idiosyncrasies of this house. You know, there's no overhead lighting <laughs> in mm-hmm. the bedrooms, you know, so that's kind of, that's kind of weird. Um, it's what they did in the seventies. Um, so typically people's criteria are different than that. They, you know, uh, sure. I had a conversation with an investor from California, um, a big institutional guy. Um, you know, he's looking, just doing some research and like, you know, Hey, I'm looking for, you know, eight to 24 unit B to C class um, apartment complexes in the Treasure Valley, you know, that, uh, you know, are value add. And it's like, you're not going to find that. <laughs> you can't. Like, uh, <laughs> Black actually did a, did a study and there's like a hundred of them, <laughs> like that were ever even built in, in the Treasure Valley. Yeah. You know, and so it's like good luck. They've already they were re, they were already redone in the early two thousands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were redone in twenty twelve. They don't need to be redone again. And and it was it's so so you've it if you're only looking for numbers and you got your blinders on, you know you're 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 gonna you can miss out on some of this stuff, especially when you're small and flexible. Now, if you've got some of these big systems, you can you know uh, deals by numbers type of thing. You know can you can take your shot of a thousand you know mailers and hopefully you get one you know the brandon turner talks about that that deal funnel yeah. uh, and it, which is again it's it's a great idea and it's it's great for when you want to do that volume but you know i, I like i like my life i like my yeah. Awesome. yeah it's a good transition into the the core, core. four, four. All right, Adam. So what is uh, one thing that keeps you focused? One reason for your success, one book that you're most influenced by and uh, one piece of advice you could give our listeners. All right. So I took notes on this one. So I knew I wanted to hit all four. So (laughs) what keeps me focused? Caffeine. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh, like I said, I still have a day job, you know, uh, waking up first thing in the morning. Sometimes it's that, that initial spark to get you going, uh, is, uh, is beneficial. And there's, 
there's a routine that you can actually go through both when you analyze. And so uh, the other side I would say would be uh, keeping me uh, reasons for success and keeps me focused is the routine, you know, mm -hmm. making sure that you're still getting up at roughly the same time on your days off. Uh, make sure that you're sitting down the same place every time. Like you're not moving your, you know, if you have a laptop, you're not moving from the couch to the bed to the, to the dining room table, you know, pick a spot and just sit there and do it. Um, and preparation and timing, you know, that, uh, that's, you can, you can affect the preparation. You can't affect the timing. So the more you can prepare for things, when the timing does arrive, you're able to jump on it. Mm. So, uh, that would be kind of my reason for success. Again, luck. The as far as a book goes, uh, everyone likes to mention the the rich dad poor dad and and you know, don't split the difference. Like all these different either sales books or uh, you know real estate direct books. But uh, I would actually uh, advocate for a, a book called Strong Towns by Charles Marone, and uh, he was a city planner and and. Uh, developer and architect, all these engineer, all these things, uh, and I think what people like a lot, a lot of times focus on, especially when you're moving, you know, moving cities, moving states, uh, or getting into real estate. You know, the money is very attractive. I want money. I want, and money then is the financial independence for me and my family. But you also need to take into consideration what your impact is on your community, especially if you're investing in the community where you're living in, which I highly recommend, because uh, then you also get to reap the benefits when your kids get to go to better schools. Yeah. And Strong Towns is a case study after case study, an example after example of the best ways that we can actually improve the cities that we're building. And as real estate investors, we are a big part of that um, because when a city rezones an area, we're the ones that actually spend the money to improve an area yeah. or uh, buy that rundown shack in the middle, in, in the middle of town, and then, you know, fix it up and turn it into something that can still be used by a good family. Yeah. Uh, on the, from the city side though, now that property tax, now that property is worth more, it gets taxed higher. Your, your schools get more money. Um, more people want to live there. They don't want to do crack in the corner you know, they, they, you know, you've got nice shutters and you've got good windows and, and all these things, you know, the funny thing is that people don't want to do crime in good areas. Uh, well, unless it's like, you know, white collar crime, but, um, you know, um, still like Ponzi schemes going on, you know, in downtown, but, um, but, uh, but the, then you can evolve and iterate these towns, uh, Whereas, and he, and he has some great examples about, you know, the way New York was built and the way uh, Rome was built, you know, it wasn't built in the day. And, but that has more truth when you're actually doing city planning, when you're doing investing into an area, um, you are, you know, kind of re-entrification instead of just gentrification. Uh, you're not kicking out the people that are there, you're improving it for the people that, you know, for the next generation, you know, whether or not you're going to be living there either. So, yeah. that's that's kind of i can't recommend that book enough um you know people want to know that you're doing best for their community uh that you're authentic and that kind of thing so um another book i would recommend it's not real estate related but it also ties into my advice uh is a book uh, called range by david epstein mm. uh, in relation to the other guy but uh it, it's about being a generalist and 
how how to succeed as a generalist in a you know in a specialized society. And so my advice to a lot of people starting out is uh, the phrase "jack of all trades, master of none" is still better than master of one. And that's actually the rest of the quote that a lot of people forget. Uh, that you don't have to be a master of one thing. You don't have to like 10x your life into wholesaling or into apartment complexes or into fix and flips or anything like that. You don't have to master everything because there are people out there that quite frankly are better than you at it. So wait, why not? my mind just got blown. You're wait, that jack of all trades but master of none. That's not the end of the quote, like the original no. quote. No. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That is so like, so ironic to the, all the people that say that. I'm just, wait, so it's jack of all trades, master of one, no, sorry, jack of all trades. Uh, master of none. Jack, jack of all trades, master of none is still better than the master of one. Master of none is still better than the master of one. So you can see that with a lot of the deals that uh, and so when you, if you read uh, or listen to uh, Range, uh, they, they talk about two different, the, the uh, David, uh, David Federer example and then the Tiger Woods example. Mm -hmm. You know, the idea, uh, you know, that you should be highly specialized and only do one thing. Tiger Woods is really boring to talk about unless you talk about golf. Hmm. Uh, but really uh, good example. <laughs> or Roger Federer, not David Federer. Roger Federer you know, one of the greatest tennis players of all time, didn't even start playing tennis until his like late 20s. And it was kind of as a goof. He was actually a soccer player. Um, but guess what? Footwork, timing, athleticism, endurance, they all still work for tennis. And, you know, and so there's kind of a case for both. And, you know, so when you see people that are better than you at, at one thing or another, you can all, if you're a generalist, if you have a wide range of skills, you can find something that they're bad at and do that and compliment them that way. And, you know, it's great for uh, uh, joint ventures, JV partnerships. Uh, it's great for working in, uh, you know, with other real estate investors, say money, you know, uh, you've got a, a cash guy that, uh, or, or a family member or someone that's got a bunch of cash laying around that wants to do real estate, but it's like, I just don't know how to do it. Well, you've got the preparation even though you've done the legwork, you've done all the, a bunch of research, you just don't have the, 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 you know, the financial muscle to actually do the lift of doing the deal, but you can do everything else. Well, cool. Uh, because you're the jack of all trades, you, you can, you, you don't know how to hang the drywall, but you know how to find drywall people or a general contractor in general. So you don't have to do the rehab, but you can get the rehab done. Yeah. Uh, and, but you know how to bring it all together. And that's all a uh, big key of generalists is being able to, see things uh kind of full of quotes tonight um once you understand the way broadly you can see it in all things do you know who that's by sounds like a military man. now close <laughs> book of the five rings miyamoto musashi oh so, it is a military man. <laughs> yes. um but uh but again uh this and if you want to use the the military uh uh theme there uh, the samurai were a good example of that because they were obviously highly highly trained fighters and warriors but they also focused on doing other things you know painting calligraphy gardening um you know mm. that they believe that by being 
more of a generalist, you can actually be better at that certain speciality uh, and certainly more useful. Uh, you know, a, a Swiss army knife is, is not uh, as good as a hammer at being a hammer, but it's better than a hammer at being a saw. You know, so. Uh, Dude, I'm like, I'm down with. It's a good analogy. That is an analogy. So, so there's, there, there's a lot of, there, there's a lot of, a lot of benefit to that. So I always recommend range by David Epstein. I just downloaded it. Excellent. Well, <laughs> let, let me know what you think too about it. So yeah. I, I always love to hear your, your uh, opinion on it. Yeah. I'm a big reader. So I love that. Cool. That's awesome. That's like, for me, I'm not gonna lie. I'm a big jitterless kind of guy. I'm I like to dip my toes in a lot of things. I get so excited, but I'm also a lot better at taking a step outside and seeing the big picture and where we can do with it. But I've always kind of downplayed myself in a lot of different areas. I, I tend to still do because I'm so excited about it all, but I, I don't spend enough time to develop my craft in one specific area where I'm a, a master at it. And I and you hear that all the time to the point where that's such a, like, uh, you need to be a master at something. And they highlight all these other individuals who are master at these things but i think about too well if you spend all this time in this craft and this is one thing although you'll be great at it and you'd be one of the best and really good at it um you know it's also take i'm thinking to myself now it's also taking the place of other areas in your life in order to get that exactly. good that those ten thousand hours to be you know great in those areas you're taking ten thousand hours away from all these other areas as well um, right. And if you've, but if you spent a thousand hours on 10 different things, you're still going to be pretty damn good at it. Yeah. Uh, and if you take that thousand hours and you run across that 10,000 hour guy or 10,000 kicks or what, you know, whatever, you know, analogy you want to use, you're going to be better at those nine other things than that person that spent 10,000 hours on the one. Yep. And so, you know, I, I'm, I'm probably not, you know, I, I know I'm not the best person in real estate in Idaho but I'm probably the best person in real estate in Idaho that can brew the best beer. <laughs> you know? so, got to get some beer. <laughs> you know, so there's, you, you can always, you can always redo things that way. And, and um, you know, you can always look at things, look at things differently, you know? Um, and I, I think having that perspective is real important for people, especially when we're doing something as, um, as stressful and monumental and uh, impactful as real estate investing. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if that was part of it, but was that your one piece of advice? Uh, yeah, the, that, the advice is all about the generalism thing. Yeah, that's, that's a good piece of advice right there. I'll say awesome. that right now. Um, well, hey, man, we're coming to the end of our show now, but uh, how can people get a hold of you? Well, I think the best best way to get a hold of me is email. Um, it's uh, adam at atf.properties. Uh, there's no .com on the end of it because I couldn't get atf.com. That was taken. Um, and uh, uh, there's a meetup. Uh, I am on Instagram too. You can find me at, uh, at Adam the Beerist. Um, and then the, uh, although you're, you're going to get some uh, real estate stuff there and, you know, lot of other stuff too so um you know if, if you want to follow me more on a personal level or especially like meet up uh i am uh like we like we mentioned earlier i'm a 
big proponent of meeting face-to-face in person, shaking your hand, looking you in the eye. Yeah. And to that end, uh, I am partnered with Shannon Robnett uh, to do an in-person meetup. If anybody that's listening to this that's in the Treasure Valley area, uh, we'll be doing bi- bi-monthly meetups in person. Uh, and so it's up to you if you, I mean, there's other, there's all sorts of online uh, meetups nowadays, um, but we're going to be doing it um, uh, in person. So if, if you'd like to show up, it's your choice, but we're doing it. Uh, the first one's the 29th of October and if you can find it on a meetup. It's the uh, TVA REI club uh, meetup, uh, 12, uh, Treasure Valley Association, or no, sorry. <laughs> Back where I'm from, and we had the TVA was a Tualatin Valley area. And now we're in the Treasure Valley area. So mm-hmm. I, was, I always slip my tongue here, but uh, Treasure Valley area real estate investors club uh, meetup. Uh, first one is October 29th, 6 p.m. Uh, and you can find it on, on meetup.com. Awesome. Um, and I'm sure if you yeah. search for it on Facebook, you can find it too. Yeah, and meetup's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Get after it. That's awesome. Well, Adam, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate you. And just getting, I mean, man, I'm still feeling pumped up from that advice right now. I'm on go. (laughs) Oh, thank thank you guys for inviting me. And then, you know, getting, you know, allowing me to blather at you guys for, you know, for the last hour. (laughs) Well, let's, uh, let's go get a beer and do it again. Yeah. All right. I'm always down. All right. You're listening to the Grounded Investor Show, hearing from the men and women on the ground who are doing the work. If you want to learn more about investing in Idaho, reach out to us at www.groundedinvestor.com or give us a call at 208-219-7655.